welcome. Thank you. Uh, we're here today to talk about, um, amongst other things, your book, The Power Template. Now, uh, just to introduce you briefly, you're a lecturer at Dallas College in Cape Town in Shakespearean studies. Yes. And you've recently published a book on Shakespeare's political plays, in other words, dealing with the political aspects of Shakespeare's work. Um, but today I was hoping to ask you more in depth on one particular play, which might, I think, summarize some of the uh, themes dealt with in your book, which is Shakespeare's Coriolanus, which is often said to be the most overtly political of Shakespeare's plays. Um, why do you think that is? Why is it so that Coriolanus is this particular place amongst the political plays? Well, Coriolanus has been described not only by myself, but by other scholars as a dissection of democracy. It is an analysis of the Republican model of government versus personal rule. And I think in this time, in the beginning decade of the 21st century, that to be able to look at a play that is able in an open-minded way to, to look at democracy, to look at the Republican model of representative government, and to analyze it, to see it in terms of its positive aspects, its negative aspects, um, versus personal rule. Um, it's very, very interesting. We, we are living in a time where the whole world has seen governments, nearly all of which are today based on the Republican model that has its antecedents in ancient Rome, that have found themselves utterly powerless before the money class of the banking oligarchs. And within the context of the current world financial crisis, we've seen that governments that are meant to be of the people, for the people, by the people, are in fact servants of a financial elite. So it is a play that has been approached by different directors in different times from, uh, from many perspectives. And Shakespeare is quite brilliant in that he allows the language of the play to be open enough that a particular director can really move the thing in one direction or another. Coriolanus is meant to be able to act in a certain way. And there's a plebiscite. The plebeians, as well as the patricians, must confirm him in his nomination as consul. To do that, he has to basically play the political game. There's, there are certain rituals, certain swearing-in ceremony rituals, not unlike modern-day uh, swearing-in ceremonies of prime ministers, of presidents. And he finds it really almost unbearable to be able to be duplicitous, to say things that he doesn't mean. And he's actually told straight on, you don't have to mean it, you simply have to say it. They're like campaign promises. Everybody knows that the campaign promises are what politicians mouth in the run-up to elections. Whether you mean it or not becomes, uh, in a sense, um, uh, irrelevant. Coriolanus' character, and I would say his character flaw, is that he's an immensely proud man. Pride is, is uh, hubris to the extreme. Uh, on the battlefield, it serves him well. In the political game, 
uh, it puts him at odds with the with the plebiscite. Rumsfeld, who you talk about in your book relatively extensively, um, he's kind of indicative in that sense, and that he is part of the political structure, in a sense, of assembly government, and at the same time, he kind of represents outside interests, economic, Halliburton, etc. Yes. Now, um, is there something in, in Coriolanus as well that sort of indicates the outside power playing on assembly government, playing on the tribunes, playing on the plebeian uh, sentiment? For sure, and, and Shakespeare makes mention of it, and Shakespeare's primary source for this play is Plutarch's um, lives of, parallel lives of famous Greeks and Romans. And the other mitigating factor is that of usury, mm. and that the plebeians would have to borrow at a heavy, extreme uh, rate of interest from the patricians. And it was to the advantage of the, of the ruling class, of the ruling elite, to disempower ordinary people, and they, they were not only politicians, but they were also the bankers. I think now, in, in, in today's modern world, we've seen a split between power is no longer within the zone of politics, but power has shifted into the zone of economics. So that when we had the 2008-2009 financial crisis, it was the banks that were bailed out. It was not the people that were rescued or saved from drowning. So finally, Robert, on a lighter note, uh, there's a new film coming out of Coriolanus starring Ralph Fiennes. What's your prognosis on that? Do you think we'll get some of the themes that you've mentioned coming out of that film? What, what can we hope from that? Well, I think that they'll take one of the secondary plots right. and make it the primary plot. That is the contentious relationship between Coriolanus and his arch-enemy Ophidius. And the play is going to focus on the rivalry between these two uh, generals who oppose each other over a series of battles and ultimately leads to them joining forces together um, at, towards the end of the play. Um, they're top actors, and, but I think that the main focus will in fact be not the dissection of democracy or the analysis that I go into as much as it will be on the relationship between these two powerful and uh, military commanders. But if we want the political insight, it's the Power Template, Robert Luongo's book, which is available on Amazon as a Kindle book, I believe, ebook. Yes. And you have your own website? Yes, yes, there's a website as well. It's uh, www.thepowertemplate.com and also available as a paperback. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Robert. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very much. much.